on the road again, and I only have EVV. I haven't read her sonnets on the podcast, though, so let's give them a go. Sonnet 1. I thought once how Theocritus had sung of the sweet years, the dear and wished-for years, who each one in a gracious hand appears to bear a gift for mortals, old or young. And as I mused it in his antique tongue, I saw in gradual vision through my tears, the sweet, sad years, the melancholy years, those of my own life, who by turns had flung a shadow across me. Straightway I was where, so weeping, how a mystic shape did move behind me and drew me backward by the hair. And a voice said in mastery while I strove, Guess now who holds thee? Death, I said, but there the silver answer rang. Not death, but love. Two, but only three in all God's universe have heard this word thou hast said, himself beside thee speaking and me listening, and replied, one of us, that was God, and laid the curse so darkly on my eyelids as to immerse my sight from seeing thee, that if I had died, the death weights placed there would have signified less absolute exclusion. Nay is worse from God than from all others, O my friend. Men could not part us with their worldly jars, nor the seas change us, nor the tempest bend. Our hands would touch for all the mountain bars, and heaven being rolled between us at the end, we should but vow the faster for the stars. Unlike are we, unlike, O princely heart, unlike our uses and our destinies, our ministering to angels look surprise on one another as they strike athwart their wings in passing. Thou, bethink me, art a quest for queens to social pageantries with gauges from a hundred brighter eyes than tears even can make mine to play thy part of chief musician. What hast thou to do with looking from the lattice lights at me? A poor, tired, wandering singer, singing through the dark and leaning up a cypress tree. The chrism is on thine head, on mine the Jew, and death must dig the level where these agree. For thou hast thy calling to some palace floor, most gracious singer of high poems, where the dancers will break footing from the care of watching up thy pregnant lips for more. And dost thou lift this house's latch too poor for hand of thine? And canst thou think and bear to let thy music drop here unaware? folds of golden fullness at my door? Look up and see the casement broken in, the bats and owlets builders in the roof. My cricket chirps against thy mandolin. 
Hush, call no echo up in further proof of desolation. There's a voice within that weeps, as thou must sing alone aloof. I lift my heavy heart up solemnly, as once Electra, her sepulchral urn, and looking in thine eyes, I overturn the ashes at thy feet. Behold and see what a great heap of grief lay hid in me, and how the red wild sparkles dimly burn through the ashen grayness. If thy foot in scorn could tread them out to darkness utterly, it might be well, perhaps. But if instead thou wait beside me for the wind to blow, the gray dust up, those laurels on thine head, O oh, my beloved, will not shield thee so, that none of all the fire shall scorch and shred the hair beneath. Stand farther off then, go. Six, that was five. Go from me, yet I feel that I shall stand henceforward in thy shadow, never more alone upon the threshold of my door of individual life. I shall command the uses of my soul, nor lift my hand serenely in the sunshine as before, without the sense of that which I forbore. They touch upon the palm. The widest land doom takes to part us, leaves thy heart and mine with pulses that beat double. What I do and what I dream include thee, as a wine must taste of its own grapes. And when I sue God for myself, he hears that name of thine and sees within my eyes the tears of two. Seven. The face of all the world has changed, I think, since first I heard the footsteps of thy soul move still. Oh, still beside me as they stole betwixt me in the dreadful outer brink of obvious death, where I, who thought to sink, was caught up into love and taught the whole of life in a new rhythm. The cup of dole God gave for baptism, I'm fain to drink and praise its sweetness sweet with the anear. The names of country heaven are changed away from where thou art or shalt be there or here. And this is Luton's song, loved yesterday. The singing angels know are only dear because thy name moves right in what they say. Eight, what can I give thee back, O liberal and princely giver? who has brought the gold and purple of thine heart unstained, untold, and laid them on the outside of the wall for such as I to take her leave withal in unexpected largesse. Am I cold, ungrateful, that for these most manifold high gifts I render nothing back at all? Not so, not cold, but very poor instead. Ask God who knows. For frequent tears have run the colors from my life and left so dead and pale a stuff that were not fitly done to give the same as pillow to thy head. Go farther, let it serve to trample on. 9. Can it be right to give what I can give, to let thee sit beneath the fall of tears as salt as mine, and hear the sighing years resawing on my lips renunciative? 
through those infrequent smiles which fail to live for all thy adjurations. All my fears that this can scarce be right. We are not peers, so to be lovers, and I own and grieve that givers of such gifts as mine are must be counted with the ungenerous. Out, alas, I will not soil thy purple with thy dust, nor breathe my poison on thy Venice glass, nor give thee any love which were unjust. Beloved, I only love thee, let it pass. Ten. Yet love, mere love, is beautiful indeed, and worthy of acceptation. Fire is bright, let temple burn or flax in equal light, leaps in the flame from cedar plank or weed. And love is fire, and when I say at need, I love thee, Mark, I love thee, in thy sight I stand transfigured, glorified aright, with conscience of the new rays that proceed out of my face toward thine. There's nothing low in love when love the lowest, meanest creatures who love God. God accepts while loving so. And what I feel across the inferior features of what I am doth flash itself and show how that great work of love enhances natures. 11. And therefore, if to love can be desert, I am not all unworthy. Cheeks, I sorry, I think it's this. And therefore, if to love can be desert, I am not all unworthy. Cheeks as pale as these you see, and trembling knees that fail to bear the burden of a heavy heart. This weary minstrel life that once was girt to climb Ornus and can scarce avail to pipe now gainst the valley nightingale, a melancholy music. Why advert to these things, O beloved? It is plain I am not of thy worth nor for thy place, and yet because I love thee, obtain from that same love this vindicating grace, to live on still in love and yet in vain, to bless thee, yet renounce thee to thy face. Well, indeed, this very love which is my boast, and which when rising up from breast to brow doth crown me with a ruby larger now to draw men's eyes and prove the inner cost. This love even, all my worth to the uttermost, I should not love with all unless that thou hadst set me an example, showing me how when first thine earnest eyes with mine were crossed, and love called love, and thus I cannot speak of love even, as a good thing of my own, thy soul has snatched up mine, all faint and weak, and placed it by thee on a golden throne. And that I love is by thee only, whom I love alone. 13. And wilt thou have me fasten into speech the love I bear thee, finding words enough, and hold the torch out while the winds are rough, between our faces to cast light on each? I drop it at thy feet. I cannot teach my hand to hold my spirit so far off from myself. 
me that I should bring thee proof in words of love hidden me out of reach. Nay, let the silence of my womanhood commend my woman love to thy belief, seeing that I stand on one, however wooed, and rend the garment of my life in brief by a most dauntless, voiceless fortitude, lest one touch of this heart convey its grief. 14. If thou must love me, let it be for naught except for love's sake only. Do not say, I love her for her smile, her look, her way of speaking gently, for a trick of thought that falls in well with mine in cert days, brought a sense of pleasant ease on such a day. For these things in themselves, beloved, may be changed or changed for thee, and love so wrought may be unwrought so, neither love me for thine own dear pities wiping my cheeks dry. A creature might forget to weep who bore thy comfort bond and lose thy love thereby, but love me for love's sake that evermore thou mayst love on through love's eternity. 15. Accuse me not, beseech thee, that I wear too calm and sad a face in front of thine, for we two look two ways and cannot shine with the same sunlight on our brow and hair. On me thou look'st with no doubting care, as on a bee shut in a crystalline, since sorrow hath shut me safe in love's divine, and to spread wing and fly in the outer air were most impossible failure, if I strove to fail so. But I look on thee, on thee, beholding besides love the end of love, hearing oblivion beyond memory, as one who sits and gazes from above, over the rivers to the bitter sea. Now, her husband, Robert Browning, believed or claimed that these were sonnets equaled, or at least were the best since Shakespeare lived. I don't have his sonnets here, but I have one of his plays, Richard II, so I'll read a couple speeches from there to compare. This is King Richard when Bolingbroke first encounters him outside of Flint Castle. King Richard to Northumberland. This is Bolingbroke's lieutenant. We are amazed and thus long have we stood to watch the fearful bending of thy knee because we thought ourselves thy lawful king. And if we be, how dare thy joints forget to pay their awful duty to our presence? If we be not, show us the hand of God that hath dismissed us from our stewardship. For well we know no hand of blood, of blood and bone can grip the sacred handle of our scepter, unless he do profane steal or usurp. And though you think that all as you have done have torn their souls by turning them from us, and we are barren and bereft of friends, 
Yet know my master, God omnipotent, is mustering in his clouds on our behalf armies of pestilence, and they shall strike your children yet unborn and unbegot, that lift your vassal hands against my head and threat the glory of my precious crown. Tell Bolingbroke, for yon methinks he is, that every stride he makes upon my land is dangerous treason. He has come to ope the purple testament of bleeding war, but ere the crown he looks for live in peace. Ten thousand bloody crowns of mother's sons shall ill become the flower of England's face, change the complexion of her made pale peace to scarlet indignation and bedew her pastures grass with faithful English blood. And now the farewell scene between the Queen and King Richard. From Act 5. Queen, this way the king will come. This is the way to Julius Caesar's ill-erected tower, to whose flint bosom my condemned lord is doomed a prisoner by proud bowling brook. Here let us rest, if this rebellious earth have any resting for her true king's queen. Enter Richard guarded. But soft, but see, or rather do not see, my fair rose wither. Yet look up, behold, that you in pity may dissolve and do, and wash them fresh again with true love tears. Art thou the model where old Troy did stand, thou map of honor, thou King Richard's tomb, and not King Richard, thou most beauteous inn, why should hard-favored grief be lodged in thee when triumph is become an alehouse guest? King Richard, join not with grief, fair woman, do not so, to make my end too sudden. Learn, good soul, to think our former state a happy dream, from which awaked the truth of what we are, shows us but this. I am sworn brother sweet to grim necessity, and he and I will keep a league till death. Hie thee to France and cloister thee in some religious house. Our holy lives must win a new world's crown, which our profane hours here have stricken down. Queen, what is my Richard both in shape and mind transformed in weekend? Hath Bolingbroke deposed thine intellect? Hath he been in thy heart? The lion dying thrusteth forth his paw and wounds the earth, if nothing else, with rage to be o'erpowered. And wilt thou, pupil-like, take thy correction mildly, kiss the rod and fawn on rage with base humility, which art a lion and a king of beasts? King Richard. A king of beasts indeed, if aught but beasts, I had been still a happy king of men. Good sometime queen, prepare thee hence for France. Think I am dead and that even here thou takest as from my deathbed thy last living leave. 
In winter's tedious nights, sit by the fire with good old folks and let them tell thee tales of woeful ages long ago betid. And ere thou bid good night to quit their griefs, tell thou the lamentable tale of me and send the hearers weeping to their beds. For why the senseless brands will sympathize the heavy accent of thy moving tongue, and in compassion weep the fire out. And some will mourn in ashes some coal black for the deposing of a rightful king. Enter Northumberland and others. Northumberland, my lord, the mind of Bolingbroke is changed. You must to Pomfret, not unto the tower. And madam, there is order tain for you. With all swift speed, you must away to France. King Richard, Northumberland, thou ladder, wherewithal the mounting Bolingbroke ascends my throne. The time shall not be many hours of age, more than it is, ere foul sin gathering heads shall break into corruption. Thou shalt think, though he divides the realm and give thee half, it is too little helping him to all, and he shall think that thou, which notes the way to plant unrightful kings, wilt know again, being ne'er so little urged, another way to pluck him headlong from the usurped throne. The love of wicked men converts to fear, the fear to hate, and hate turns one or both to worthy danger and deserved death. Northumberland. My guilt be on my head and there an end. Take leave and part, for you must part forthwith. King Richard, doubly divorced. Bad man, you violate a twofold marriage. Twixt my crown and me, and then twixt me and my married wife. Let me unkiss the oath twixt thee and me, and yet not so, for with a kiss twas made. Part us, Northumberland. I towards the north, where shivering cold and sickness pines the clime. My wife to France, from whence, set forth in pomp, she came adorned hither like sweet May, sent back like Hallowmas, or shortest of day. Queen, and must we be divided? Must we part? King Richard, hey, hand from hand, my love, and heart from heart. Queen, Banish us both and send the king with me. Northumberland, that were some love, but little policy. Queen, then, th then whither he goes, thither let me go. King Richard, so two together weeping make one woe. Weep thou for me in France, I for thee here. Better far off than near, be nearer than near. Go count thy way with sighs, I mine with groans. Queen, so longest way shall have the longest moans. King Richard, twice for one step all groan, the way being short, and piece the way out with a heavy heart. Come, come, in wooing sorrow, let's be brief. Since wedding it, there is such length in grief, one kiss shall stop our mouths and dumbly part. Thus give I mine, and thus take I thy heart. Queen, give me mine own again, for no good part to take on me to keep and kill thy heart. So now I have mine own again, be gone, that I may strive to kill it with a groan. King Richard, we make woe wanton with this fond delay. Once more adieu, 
the rest let sorrow say. Thank you.